White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 781. This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. Alabama's melting down, and Auburn basketball is the cool as the other side of the pillow. The very, 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 very happy place. The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the frozen tundra of White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and marginally warmer Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Trying to stay warm just like you are, Van. Yeah, I'm bundled up good here. I got the little heater on, got my hat on, got my hoodie on. It's cold down here in the palatial studios, but uh, what's it What's it like in your end of the country? It's in the, in the teens tonight, so... Yeah. We had to leave the water dripping the last few nights. It's been so cold. That's no good. Yeah. Nope. Well, it's cold here, but it's melting down like Chernobyl in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm enjoying every bit of it. It's a good time to be an Auburn fan right now. In fact, oh, oh, I almost forgot. In fact, point of order. In fact... It's the Auburn Fun Meter, and I have a feeling that the Auburn Fun Meter is pretty good right now. I'm 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 pretty happy about it. What are you thinking? I, I um as an how much fun am I having as an Auburn fan between the basketball team being great mm-hmm. and the Alabama's football team disintegrating and their fans <laughs> whining about it? I'm I'm a nine right now. Yeah, yeah. I Let's can't do it. be higher than that because we got a big game on the horizon. I'm a little nervous, but I'm a yeah. nine right now. I am enjoying life as an Auburn fan. Let's. Let's do it. Let's go nine. I, it's been a while since we've been that high. I don't know if we've yeah. ever done an done a fun meter that was nine since we started. I think we this. were nine at least after that recruiting class. Yeah, that's probably true. And I'll say this about Auburn basketball, John. I say this if 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 you're a fan of one of the other teams in the SEC or whatever, and you're looking at Auburn basketball right now, all I can tell you is whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! <laughs> sums it up doesn't it amen sums it up amen that yeah. is the spirit right there you know what i gotta get on here we've 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 always talked about it but we've never actually had it on here is the iron Sheik and and nikolai volkov because we we, we have we need the sound clip we got <sighs> you hi we hit it no nah, i'm not gonna do it i'm like oh. kd I'm like KD with the face, man. It, we ain't, we're not in between the, it, the the game's over. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. I have to have it come up organically. Can't force it. Cannot force it. Has to come up organically. But that's what we would do, right? So, I'm enjoying the Ric Flair sound clip on here. I may wear that thing out. I'm I'm enjoying that a lot. It's that one. I mean, that's it's a joy to play that, and it's a joy to play. I want you to put the word out there oh. that we back up. Yep. Understand me? Mm-hmm. We back up. We are back up. That is it. And, um, you know, when, when Coach Saban retired, all I could think was... My fellow Americans, 
our long national nightmare is over. Yeah, as is Alabama's... I think that's what he was talking about. I think it was, as is Alabama's dominance in college football, because... They haven't got any players. And it's funny, too, because they're like, oh, well, when the when the next portal opens up, we're going to clean up. And I'm like, who do you think's going to be available? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. All right, we'll they're get not, to that. I'm just going to say this. They're not lying. About what? They're going to clean up in May. You think? Here's what's happening right now, Van. They're taking all the money at, at Alabama, and they're putting it in a big pile, and they're calling all the best players and other teams and saying – Here's a picture. Giant pile of cash. May portal window. You come here. You get big pile of cash. And then mm. I'm not talking about guys who are thinking about getting in the portal. I'm talking about the best players on the best teams who are not in the portal right now. Mm. This is going to happen in May. They're going to get about 10 guys, and you're going to go, what? How'd they get that guy? Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Now, but as I said, in the season when they lost and people were talking about what a great job Saban did – in his swan song, they had the most talent of any team ever, and they are not going back there. Well, let so, us hope not. They're not. not. All right. It is not going to happen. All right. Well, um, the, we got to start things off tonight with the glorious, glorious uh, joy that is the Auburn basketball team. They, I mean, if you're an Auburn fan, but you're not an Auburn basketball fan, you need to think about it. You need to look in the mirror and say, why am I not in love with this program and this team? Because they're always great, always fun, but this year they're it's just different. It's glorious. They are delightful. They're yes. a joy. Yeah. And this is what I want to say about that. Do not look ahead. Don't worry about the tournament. Don't worry about next year. Don't worry about you know, even what happens in late February. Enjoy every game with this mm. team right now while you can because yeah. they are really, really, really fun. And what do I want as an Auburn fan out of any team that represents us? I want the players to play as hard as humanly possible every minute they're on, in competition. And this team plays incredibly hard down to the last second with the walk-ons the other night. Yes, that was incredible. Yeah, we're gonna let, let's get to that in in, the, in due course. So, but yeah, one thing that Bruce is always so good at. There's several things he's really good at. Obviously, there's several. But one is that he always seems to bring in players that, for the most part, want to be part of a team, and they are they're fun, good people. We don't seem to get thugs and recalcitrant moody, grumpy guys. We tend to get people you want to root for. And not players who want to play 40 minutes a game and sh take every shot either. Yeah. Because they know that it's part of the deal. They know they're not going to get that here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really – it's and, and, I mean, this year's basketball team is the ultimate manifestation of that because it's 11 or 12 deep to some degree – and the second five, quote-unquote, the second shift, as we talked about last time, are about as good as the first. Just, you know, they're different, but they're about as good, honestly. When you can run two SEC teams out there during a game instead of one, that goes a long way. It you does. know, if, if, one, if one lineup isn't quite able to pull away, the other one comes in and they're able to flip a switch and, and do that. And if they don't, then the other one comes back in and figures something out. It's like... It's 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 the strangest thing, and it's so it's and it's it's because right the the reason they are able to do that is because they're all so unselfish. Yes, 
and because they know I'm not going to play 30 minutes, I'm only going to play 16 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 18 minutes, they can play incredibly hard for 18 minutes. They can play at absolute max effort on both ends of the court because they know I don't have to conserve it. I'm yeah. going to get replaced, and I'm, there's going to be another guy in here, and I'm going to get a chance to recover. And it takes a toll on the other team. That's why the first five minutes of every game is fairly close. And then you notice about the five-minute mark, we switch out to the second shift, and we start to get a little lead. And by the time you get to five minutes left in the first half, it's usually good night, Irene. That's it. And they try to come back. They get a, the other team gets a rest at halftime, and they make a run in the second half, and then we put the hammer on them, down on them again. The anaconda starts squeeze. Anaconda starts squeezing again, and that's it. Put them to sleep. Put them to sleeper. Um, all right. So eighty to sixty-five over Vanderbilt. Um, we we were kind of running away with this one, and again, as we did, what was the it was the LSU game a week or so yes. ago where we had like a thirty-point lead and then let it get down to about eight or nine. I'm just like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this would be embarrassing. Um, and they kind of did that a little bit with Vanderbilt, but they put the hammer down. Vandy's not good. Vandy's pretty much the worst team in the conference, so we we put them out pretty quickly. And um, and but it was fun to win at at Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's a place where I had I cut till a couple of years ago. I think we lost eight in a row there or something. So now we've won a couple in a row there. And uh, it was it's big to win there. It's a tough place for us. And we did have that second left left down. As we said, the best kind of wins in any sport are the kind where the coach can still fuss at you about something. Yeah. And after this game and the LSU game, Bruce mm-hmm. and the staff were still able to say, hey, do mm-hmm. not take your foot off the gas. It's going to bite us in the rear end. Yep. Yeah, because when we start playing harder teams, they will come back if you do that. Yeah. That's right. If and you might not be able to reverse the slide at that point. And that's even assuming we can get a lead, right? I mean, it may be hard fought from start to finish all the way. So, yeah, you know, I was thinking about Vanderbilt and playing up there. I, and not everybody's going to remember this, but the thing I always used to love about Vanderbilt basketball, when the three-point shot came in in the 80s when Sonny was, was there, and we mentioned in the book, one of my favorite Sonny quotes was they asked a reporter asked Sonny about the three point line coming in mm-hmm. and they had just put in like the 40, the shot clock the year before or a couple of years before, I think, and some other rule change. And Sonny said, yeah, the, the head of the NCAA just, he wants to be able to say that he made a huge mistake every year. And Sonny didn't like the three point, right? Sonny liked to have the big guys that could pound under the glass, but Vanderbilt when the three-point shot came in, Vanderbilt had guys like Barry Goheen, remember? Yeah. Oh, yes. That he could shoot the three. They had like four guys that just happened to be on that team. I guess they knew it was coming maybe. Uh, that may have been C.M. Newton's day when he was coaching Vanderbilt basketball. And they had those guys that could shoot the three and the bomb squad. And Vanderbilt was fun to watch back then because they would just light it up with from threes. Every, they looked like the 2019 Auburn team, you know, that just took – they'd rather pop it out for a three than dunk. You know, I love that. That's entertaining. It's different. So that's why I kind of still like – but this Vanderbilt team doesn't look anything like that. They're no, but they – I think they're well coached. I think Stackhouse is a really good coach, and I yeah. think they had a smart plan, but they just don't have the players. Yeah. And even in the second half – we did that thing that Sonny always talks about where, you know, it's defense without fouling, and we didn't do that. We fouled yep. a lot, and they kept driving and making us foul them, basically, and we mm. took the, 
took what they were giving us and fouled them and fouled them and fouled them, and they shot like 25 free throws in the second half, and that's how they got back into it. Yeah, because that stops the clock, too. Yeah, it stops the clock, and they get eat shots that we can't you block at the rim or whatever. So. Yeah, I was thinking that against Ole Miss exactly was that like you can't get a you're not able to get a shot against us in in the run of play. So the last thing we need to do is give you uncontested shots, and that's what a free throw is is an uncontested shot pretty much. So that's that's, right. that's bad. So well on Saturday we welcomed the Ole Miss Rebel Alliance Bear Shark people in, and this was the return of the Flanagans. And I, my wife was kind of mad that the that the crowd was booing Flanagan. They were really booing the whole team, but they did kind of. You could tell they picked it up a little bit on on Allen on Flan. I think the in the pregame when they introduced him, it was about half and half or sixty forty cheering for him and yeah. giving him a welcome in the introductions. And then once the game started, he's an opposing player. I get it, yeah. but I don't think he. I mean, I'm going to be clear, like. He does not deserve special attention and dislike as an opposing player. No. He's not like some of the other SEC players that have come through that we really dislike, that we let them hear it every time they touch the ball and stuff. So, Right. How, I mean, how much would Flanagan be playing for us right now? He'd be – would he be I a think starter? He'd be, he'd be starting at small forward. And getting about 20 minutes? Yeah. He'd be getting the same – you know. He's getting like 35 uh, minutes for Ole Miss. Yeah. So, so no, he, I mean, it's go. part of the deal. They, you know, they don't have a, as, as deep a team. Um, they de- I'm going to be clear, like, they're a really good offensive team. And they, got, they took a lot of transfers, a lot of big, a big-time guys from other programs. That breaks for a guy was at Duke. The, the point guard guy was at St. Peter's. And they got, and they got that 7-5 guy. And, and their other center, yeah. too, Cissé, is a good player. So they had some players. Mm-hmm. And they've scored a lot of points. On, they scored 100 on Florida. And halfway through the second half against us, they had 40. Yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was insane. And, and I think that's what, like, this Auburn team plays great defense. Yeah. Great team defense. It's not just like the, you know, it's not like the Walker Kessler year. It was all about kind of him defending the rim and us funneling mm-hmm. guys to him and stuff. Right. They play great team defense all the time, and they are constantly putting pressure on the other team. They don't let you get the other team can't get where they want to on the court. Mm-mm. And we take the other team's top scores and erase them. Yeah. Like absolutely take them out of the game. There's a guy for Ole Miss, uh, it's like Mello or Mellar or something. He'd scored 24 and 23 in two games against us last year. Mm-hmm. And I think he scored eight on Saturday. Oh, that's it's a huge Den- turnaround, huge difference. Denver Jones locked him up so bad he couldn't even get the ball. Yeah. They were setting screens for him and stuff, and he still could not get the ball. That's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, by the way, you're talking about Cissé. It's not spelled the same, so I guess they're not related. But I, I remember always thinking this, and I think when we talked to Sonny Smith, Sonny was saying that it's the same thing, which is that back in his day, it seemed like every SEC team, he said, was pretty good. you know, And every SEC team had that one really good player, right? whether we had Charles Barkley or Chuck mm-hmm. Person or Chris Morris during, during his run. Um, and you remember, like Florida had Vernon Maxwell, and and uh, you know so on and so on. Um, Ole Miss at some point in there had Ansu Cisse. Remember that? I remember him because I, I used him. to say Ansu Cisse by the seashore. And and this guy, I think was I kept thinking, is this his son? That would be kind of cool. And it, I think it's just this crazy coincidence they've had two guys named Cisse 
spelled differently for the for Ole Miss, which is really strange. But anyway, um, I just had to get I just had to say Vernon Maxwell because I haven't dropped his name ever on this show. I don't think so, but he was a great. He was dangerous, man. He was a good guy for Florida. Um, all right, so the ending. Got to mention the end of the Ole Miss game where we had we had our. I don't. How do you want to describe our scrubs? The walk-ons, the walk-ons, the scrubs. The, yeah, scout team, whatever you want to say. Yeah, they were in there with the, Cheney Johnson and the, four walk-ons. The, the pasty brigade. They came in and um, and uh, they shut down Ole Miss themselves. They were <laughs> they were tearing them up. That final sequence I, at the end. I think again, Auburn's up twenty. And a lot of times you see the walk-ons come in and they just want to shoot. They mm-hmm. don't want to play hard. They don't want to play f- tough physical defense on the other team. And at the and this, our walk-ons absolutely took it to them. They were like, we should be out on the floor with you. They had no fear at all of Ole Miss. And they, at the end of the game, the sequence where they blocked three shots in a row, I thought was awesome. I literally like got up off the couch and I was pumping my fist. I was so excited. Oh yeah, and we're winning by twenty. Oh yeah. Oh well, that would have that would have put that would have put Ole Miss within maybe within. Well, it would have made them sixty-one, and it kept them in the fifties, which was gratifying. I thought because they mm-hmm. those guys busted their butt and blocked three shots. That's they incredible. did, and the, and the bench went bananas. Yes, they went oh, absolutely crazy. But also, I think it says something about this team that they were like, "We're going to come in there and play good defense on you, and we're not going to give up easy shots." Because a lot of times, the end of the game is up twenty. There, people are just the clock's running down. People are just going through the motion. Yeah, yeah, their job is to go out there and, and that, dribble the ball, dribble it out, or something. Yeah, but or 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 get your shot, get that shot that you never. Upset. Or like, I let you get a shot, I get the ball, I get my shot. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I want to mention, because Leor was out there playing, the Berminator was playing a good bit, and the story goes, I think, I think it was Bruce that said this later, that um, they were, they were, he was playing so well that when he was pa- he said he was well past his time to come out, and Bruce looked at Chad Baker-Mazzara like to go in for Berman, and, and Baker-Mazzara's like, no, he's doing great, leave him in. I mean, that, that, John, that is what, you can't put a price on that. Yes. That's incredible. And- it's, it is incredible. But also, like, Lior had been the scout team, small forward for years, so mm-hmm. he faced him in practice. He faced <laughs> Flanagan, Flanagan in practice every day, Alan yeah. Flanagan, and knew his moves and knew how he liked to do things. So he was perfect to defend him mm-hmm. because he had defended him. But also, he has not been bad. When we started playing Lior more this year, I really worried about this. Yeah. I worried that... The other team was going to expose him defensively, and some have early on did it, and some have tried, but he's played really well the last few games, mm-hmm. and so I'm kind of stopped worrying about it. I, <laughs> it crossed my mind. Not everybody's going to get this reference, but it crossed my mind that if Auburn basketball was a Bruce um, fan fiction, mm-hmm. Leor is the Mary Sue character. He's if Bruce was writing a if Bruce was writing a fanfic of Auburn basketball, Lehor is the Mary Sue. He's the one that the writer puts himself into the story, and that's kind of what I see Big Berman as. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, so let's see. Dominant at the rim, you mentioned. Uh, anything you want to anything you want to say about the stats or Ole Miss before we? Before yeah, we well, move I along? talked about this last week. Like we're one of the top teams in the country at offensively at scoring at the rim 
and against defense at the rim, we're number one in the country. Wow. And Ole Miss is in the top five, I think, in blocks. They're a great at-the-rim team, too. And a lot of teams don't try to go to the basket against Ole Miss because they're such good shot blockers. Auburn didn't mess around. They didn't bother. Mm-hmm. They were like, great, let's go. And Broom and them, Jalen Williams, they scored at the rim all they wanted to. They were like, mm-hmm. You're not going to block us, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss had two blocks until the walk-ons came in, and they got one more on them. So, again, the, the week before, they had 18 against somebody. They also so, got some uh, called for goal tilling attending a time or two. Yes, too. they did. They did. So that they are a very t- – Ole Miss is a tall team with really good shot blockers, and Auburn didn't let them bother that at all, no. and they went right at them and scored. Well, it was interesting. We came out and we hit some three-pointers, and, in fact – that was one of the most amazing. There's several amazing statistics from this game, but one was that we had eight three pointers, one from each of eight different players. That I I don't remember that ever happening before. Yeah, and was it that everybody that played in the first half scored? Yes. And there was something about a. There was one other statistic about assists or something. I don't remember anyway. But there were just some crazy statistics that came out of this game. But yeah, we came out and shot over them for three-pointers, which kind of pulled them out a little bit. And then we took it inside and we were able to get... I mean, Broom didn't have a huge game, but he still had a good one. He had one of his good games. You know, He got a lot of rebounds and he was able to put some short you know, shots in. I think he even hit a three-pointer. Um, so yeah. I, and how do you... Why do you suppose we were able to get the inside game working against that team? I mean, again, I think great coaching and scouting by our coaching staff. We had a good plan. We did some pick and roll stuff where we took their guys out of position and had great. We have great passing, mm-hmm. right? So we were our guys weren't just in there backing up to the basket trying to make it happen. We put them in a good position and passed the ball well. And some of that, those early passes, we went in and then went back out to the open three point shooter, mm-hmm. and that opened them up a little bit. But some of it was, I think we. Uh, we also had more drives to the basket, something you've been asking for, and that yes. forced their defense to shift a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worry that KD is going to end up in a full body cast before the season's over because every time he, KD does one of two things: he either makes up his mind he's going to the rim and defense be damned, or he's like, I love when he thinks about the three pointer. Other players think about the three pointer <laughs> and pass it. He thinks about it and goes, Yeah. <laughs> Puts it up, and he's, he. It seems to me he's about fifty percent on on doing that. There was one point where he drove on Saturday, and everybody else on Auburn's team was on the perimeter. So when he drove into the lane, it was one against five. Yeah, and he, he went. Like, he, he didn't he pass like, it out. It. He didn't pass it out. He took it. I, I'm saying you got to have somebody that'll do that. I don't think Holloway will do that. I don't think I want Holloway doing that. Mm-mm. But uh, I mean, Trey Holloway will drive will in. Get broken in half. Yes, he, he will. Trey uh, Trey Donaldson will drive halfway and pull up and do a nice sweet jumper that'll go in. That's fine. That's fine. But but uh, but KD is the one that actually goes to the rim, and you you better have your health insurance paid up when he's coming because there's gonna be it's gonna, there's gonna be violence. <laughs> there may be blood when he gets to the to the rim. Uh, let's see. So future we have. Alabama coming up on Wednesday, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern, SEC Network. At least it's a little earlier. I'm, those 8, 8 o'clock, 8.30 games are for the birds. I, I know those you don't like 9 o'clock them. Eastern games are brutal on me. So I'm excited about This is a gigantic game. Oh, yeah. Okay? At there, Alabama. In the hangar. In the big empty hangar. In, in the big tennis court at Coleman yeah. Coliseum. That's right. Um, 
it's you know they're a top 10 team they're the best team we played this year they are the best offensive team in the country so it's irresistible force immovable mm, object wow. their offense our defense it's hey it's emmett smith against the 87 87 88 defense there it is well, let's hope it goes that direction. Yeah, that was um, the the irresistible force and the immovable object. Yeah. Um, um, how are they the best offensive team? My gosh, they are. They have a they have a bunch of really good shooters. Mark Sears is their best player. He's the best. He's the leading scorer in the SEC. He's shooting forty seven percent from three. All right, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he will not shoot forty seven percent or better against us. I don't on think Wednesday. so either. He may get think, his, but he's not going to shoot 47% or better. Well, I, I think we're going to have a good game plan, and Denver Jones is going to be all over him, and I think they're they're going to have to get points from somebody else. I think mm. we're going to do everything we can to take him out. So, And how many how many people has he been an accomplice to murder? <laughs> I just assume. Nobody, nobody you know, yet? that we're aware of at this point. So. All right, well, that's good. They're, um, they're, they're, but they're, the limit, they're is, limiting their murder activity this season. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. That's early. It so, is early. Yes, fair. Yes. They. The other thing is they're a great offensive team, but they're not a great defensive team. They're they're. Mm. You know, I told you they're like in the advanced stats. They're number one in offense. They're sixty four in defense. So we ought to be able to get whatever we want uh, offensively against this team. So it may end up. You know, track me. If we can hold them down a little bit, we have a chance to score some points on this team. All right. I'm I'm in favor of scoring lots of points on Alabama. I, I'm strongly I come out strongly on that in that column. But it's also but, a giant rivalry game on yeah. the road in the SEC at their yeah. place. You know, we have some veteran guys who who have been in those battles and are not going to be concerned about it. And we have some younger guys that haven't, and then we have some guys that I don't think it's going to phase at all. Yeah, I don't think that's going to phase Chad, Chad Baker Mazzara one bit. New, new, or KD or any of them. No, well, KD's I, been there, done that. He's fine. oh sure. They all right. So they're going to actually probably have a big crowd there for the one time out of the year mm-hmm. because it's for us, and uh, they're going to introduce their coach. I love this so much. They were going to introduce the coach against Missouri, but they changed that. The, I mean, they still haven't done it. It's it's like January 22nd now. That'll be January 24th. And they've just been waiting to introduce their football coach to the crowd when, for a game where they would have a crowd. I mean, it's funny. It's like if we didn't play them in Tuscaloosa this year, and I guess like if Kentucky didn't, they might have to wait till next year to introduce their new football coach because they didn't have a crowd to introduce them in front of in their own stadium. It's pretty sad. It is very sad, man. I, but I wonder what percentage of that crowd will be Auburn fans. I guarantee you there's some Auburn fans that have snapped up tickets based on how we're playing and stuff. Yeah. So I think we're going to have a good, strong Auburn contingent. That would be nice. Maybe they'll cheer for uh, for the new Alabama football coach. That would be good. Um, all right, and then Saturday the 27th, we're at Mississippi State. So we got really a road trip mm-hmm. double coming up here. And, and Mississippi State is, is, is like sneaky good. Is that what I understand? Yeah. They're not stinky good. I'm going to say it. They're just good. Okay. They're way tougher really, than you think. I haven't really kept track of them this year. I haven't really seen them at all. So you tell us what we need to look for. So they're way tougher than you think. If you haven't, you've been paying attention to the SEC this year. They've lost some games. But, again, they beat Tennessee. They lost to Kentucky and Alabama. Alabama game, I think it was like they lost by like six. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh they are, so I mean again, if you have two losses, if you have I don't know five or six losses, and two of them are to Kentucky and Alabama, that's not that bad. 
and they won, they beat Tennessee. That was a, a huge win. Um, so other than Baylor and Alabama, the, Mississippi State will be the best team we played. So we're really playing like two of the best three teams we're going to play all year in the next week. So we'll wow. know a lot more about this Auburn team when we record this podcast next week. Wow. After going on the road against these two teams. I, in my preseason prediction for the conference, I had us 9-9. Nine and nine. But we immediately, immediately, we beat two of the teams I had in the loss column. So yeah. that, without me even changing anything, that that changed my prediction, updated it to eleven and seven. If we can beat Alabama, it'll be twelve and six because I had us losing that one too in preseason because we didn't know how quite how good we were going to be. Yeah. So I don't think I had us losing Mississippi State, but I didn't know how good they were going to be. Yeah. It's a it's a tall order to go to Tuscaloosa and then go to Stark Vegas three days apart. That's that's tough. That's tough. And again, the the schedule's been tough to this point, but it's going up another level, and then it's going to go up another level, kind of in late February. Because yeah. at that point, we got Kentucky, Tennessee. we got Tennessee on the road. <sighs> We're going to Florida, a place uh, we never play well, never never win. So, yeah, and Alabama, Alabama coming to Auburn. Yeah. That's right. So all of those are coming in the. You know, the late February time period, that's going to be when the schedule goes up to, you know, 10 degree of difficulty. But we failed to note that right now, Auburn just went up to number eight. Think about this. Three weeks ago, I guess it was, three polls ago, we weren't even ranked. Then we were in the 20s. Then we were in the teens. Now we're in the single digits. And we're the only undefeated SEC team. That's that's right. Even if we lose one of these games, we could come out of the week still tied for first. That's crazy. But, but, but yeah, I mean, and it's going to even out too because everybody's going to have to play most of these other teams as well. You know, Alabama's going right. to play Tennessee, presumably, right? Alabama's going to well, play yeah, the top of the conference is like Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, and Tennessee. I think Tennessee yeah. is probably the best team right now, right? But yeah. those four teams, you know, Alabama's played Tennessee, but that's it. We haven't played Kentucky. Mm. Tennessee hasn't played Kentucky, mm. you know. And so after. The next couple of weeks, we'll get some more of these matchups, and then we'll we'll kind of see where the conference is. So yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, it's all going to work itself out. Um, but yeah, about Mississippi State, I, I was just looking at what you had noted. Um, great defense, solid offense. Yeah, they're kind of a little bit the opposite of Alabama. They're a really good defensive team. They're very well coached and smart, physical on defense, and that's going to be a it's a different kind of challenge, right? Alabama is a, a scoring machine. And they're not great on defense. You got to just try to hold them down and keep up with them. And Mississippi State, you know, they're going to come in there and try and like absolutely shut you down. So that game between us and them, it might be in the fifties or whatever. It might yeah, be two teams really locking each other up, like an early eighties SEC game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like well, two things. I feel like we're due for an unexpected loss at some point. Certainly don't want it. Would love to go undefeated the rest of the way, but that's not going to happen. So I feel like I'm worried about that Mississippi State game. I feel like we're going to expend everything against Alabama and have to turn around three days later, and I worry about I, that. It's it's a real trap game for us in that it way. Is. You're correct. Because um, they're putting everything you know, focused on trying to beat Alabama in this game, take it to, their, to them in their house. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is um, it slipped my mind. But no, I, I guess I was just talking. Oh, here it is. It's a trap. That's what I worry about for the Mississippi State game. I redid it. It's much louder now. It's a trap. Oh, that's good. That's good. That working. But no, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a long season. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I don't want to do what we did two years ago and peak in January. 
if we need to, you know, if we need to lose a game here or there and recover and build back up again and make the run strong to the into March, I'd rather do that than be utterly dominant now and then fizzle out like we did two years ago. Because that was really that was so disappointing after we had been so we were number one in the country and so dominant in January. And by like the by the middle of February, they were starting to show a lot of weakness. And then by March, they we couldn't even beat we 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 didn't even win a game in the SEC tournament. <laughs> so we went one and two in the NCA in the SEC and NCA tournament that year. So it's true. Um, all right. So let's see. You had a question here that you wanted to ask us to wrap up yeah, this segment. Just, again, in some, how do we feel about this team right now? How how are we feeling? Well. I, as I said, I feel like as long as they don't peak too early, I, I, they've, they've, got a th- they've got their thing working now. But the, to, to me, though, and you kind of alluded to this a minute ago, two years ago what they had working was a couple of things, and when people figured out those couple of things, we were done. We had yes. nothing to fall back on. This feels different. This feels like, this feels like a Swiss Army knife of a team. And if you stop the screwdriver, they'll get you with the toothpick or the or the or the saw. You know what I mean? They got a lot of <laughs> they got a lot of tools in that in that Swiss Army knife. They do. And I, another way to think about it is, I think that this team may not be the best at any one thing, but they have an incredibly solid foundation all the yeah, way across. This across. team shoots great free throws. Foul mm-hmm. them; they'll be happy with that. They could shoot outside. They could shoot inside. They play great defense. They don't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. They can play an up and down game if you want to do that because of the depth and the athleticism. They can play a slow it down game if you want to do that. We can work it inside to Broom and Jalen Williams and and do that kind of stuff. So I think this team has and this team can take out your best players and keep them from scoring in the ways they want to. Um, so I think this team. Has a has a really solid foundation, kind of all the way across. They have really good point guard play, and that's a gigantic advantage in uh, in these close mm. games or in a tournament. And I think um, they're really, you know, I think this team isn't close to playing as well as it can play. I think there's more. Oh yeah, uh, but we're gonna see them against you know over the next month against re. You know, we've seen we played a lot of good teams. You know, now we're going to play some excellent, you know, very good, great teams, and over the next month, and I think we're going to see this team kind of measure themselves against them and and find out what they got. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it, there's, it's not a, it's not an A plus team at any one five, but it's two complete teams. Yes. Plus leftovers. That's just ridiculous. It's it's two complete teams that can swap out with no law, no drop off. This is the other thing I think about a lot. We play 11 guys, say even 10 guys, right? We only need two or three guys to be hot on any given night. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, oh. like you only have to be hot like one out of every three or four games, and we're fine. Mm-hmm. And that, for the level of players we have on this team, that's oh. that's very reasonable. Very that is reasonable. a reasonable ask. We're not and, asking them to be All-Americans every night, every single one of them. And... I was looking at some statistics myself a couple of days ago. It's it's not even the players you would expect that are excelling. Like for example, there's only been I'm trying to think how this worked. There's only been one other player besides Jalen Williams that's led the team in every offensive category. You know, rebounds, scoring and assists. 
because usually if one is one, then another guy is the other or whatever. There's only been one besides Jalen Williams that's led the team in all three categories. You know who that is? Chad Rim? Baker and Mazzara. Uh. And he, again, he's not who you would think coming in yeah. that he's going to be the guy to do that. If you told me the two players on this team that were leading in both in all the categories in multiple games were Jalen Williams and Chad Baker Mazzara, I'd be like, well, then what's wrong with all the really hyped up players? Oh, they're fine. It's just these guys are really good too, you know? And Jalen Williams, you, I'm glad you brought him up because he has yeah. really elevated himself. He has. It's it's a whole other story to this. There's just a, a whole other layer to it. Yeah. It's amazing. So, And then we got to mention the home court. Yes. I We need to say this. And we This isn't us being homers. This is just like the truth. Yes. Auburn is the best home court advantage in college basketball right now. We have the best fans, the best court, the best environment. It is really intimidating for other teams to come into our arena. It affects their performance. And when you combine that with really good teams and good coaching, it's an impossible place to play. And I think you look around, you know, Duke's arena is not what it was in the peak of the Coach K years. No. You know, Kansas always has a lot of talent, and that's a tough place to play, but it's not the same as it has been some other times. You know, Gonzaga has a small arena, and they go they get loud in there or whatever, but I think our arena and the fans, the environment, make it the toughest place to play. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I worry about the road games yeah. and how we're going to do in those stuff. My worry a little about the home games not that high. Yeah. Yeah, no, was it Peter Burns, one of the ESPN guys that just said the other day, he tweeted, he said, it's, this, is, this is what Cameron Indoor Arena was in the 90s. This is what Auburn is now. Who ever thought they would say that? You know, who, I mean. I, I was going to say, how many games did we go to in oh my the gosh. Coliseum where they, everybody in the arena could hear you and I yelling? So. Oh, my goodness. That's true. It's not even, yeah, even kidding. That's absolutely no, true. I know. I know the refs could hear what I was saying. In that oh, place. gosh, yes. Yeah. It's just amazing. Well, I, it's what we always say, right? Auburn fans are are amazing fans and if you give us a product to be proud of and to get we'll we'll be proud of and get excited about any product that Auburn puts out but if you give us one that is truly worthy of our love and respect even more than just because it's Auburn we will go bananas we do it in Jordan Hare and we do it in uh, in Neville we just do that's what Auburn fans do when given the opportunity it's yeah. truth that's all it took so the other weird thing is we're one third of the way through the SEC season. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, we've already That's played it. the entire we've already played the entire non conference schedule and a third of the SEC schedule, yeah. and we've lost two games. Mm-hmm. But this is the other thing I was saying about savor it while you can because yeah. the season goes by fast. It does. Moving. That's the downside. I I was just praising last week the fact that we play two games a week so we get double doses. We don't have to wait so long like we do with football. The downside of that is you play them that much faster and they're gone that quickly. And Mm -hmm. we're going to talk in a minute about, um, you know, our March 9th, hopefully, trip to Auburn. And I was just noticing, I hadn't even thought of this, that's the last game. Yes. It's going to be senior day for Jalen Williams. Wow. Well, in his case, senior citizen day because he's been there. Long. He'll get his second PhD and his and his social security card. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that'll be awesome. So hopefully that'll work out. So we'll more about that coming up in a minute. Now, 
you made a note that you want to make a things the basketball team does that drive Van crazy bingo card, and that was pretty good. And you mentioned a couple of things. What did you mention? And then we'll. Well, I mean, I the one I was thinking about is you always get mad at the Chuck and Duck thing, mm-hmm. and you get mad when they don't drive to the basket. Yep, that's true. Um, well, I, I think you get mad when they shoot from the logo. Yes. Oh, there was one that. There was one that Holloway shot with it. I swear his foot was on orange paint, and he was not being guarded. He could have driven to the basket, and he just was like, what the heck? driven up to the three-point line. Yeah, he could have dribbled all the way up to the three-point line. It might have taken a few minutes, but he could have gone all the way up to the three-point line, and he just let it fly like the buzzer was about to go off. And I'm like, you know it's not going to go in. Why? Why are you doing that? Why? Um but yeah, so when I, Bro- so I just I made this because I want you, the listener at home, to make okay. your own little bingo card of things that drive Van crazy, so you can check them off when you're watching the next game. So go there ahead, go. Van. Tell, there you go. Well, I I made a couple where I said Broom shoots a three pointer when he could have passed it or driven, and and, and he to, in his defense he does occasionally make them more than you might think. If he's not covered, he has a much better chance of making them usually. Um, the one that drives me nuts is when Broom does all of his shenanigans and goes up there and puts it on the rim and it rolls off. And that happens way, way more often than physics dictate it should. He, he, cre- he finds creative new ways to miss a point-blank shot. Oh, oh, which reminds me, Jalen Williams was on his third game of not missing a shot of a streak, right? He he had the end of one game, the entirety of the Vanderbilt game. He did not miss a shot. He was seven for seven. And he made the first few shots against Ole Miss. Did you see the shot that he missed that broke his three-game streak? A slam dunk? <laughs> I tweeted out, if you had a missed slam dunk as the shot that broke his three-game shooting streak, then you win the pool because... How do you make all the crazy three-pointers and driving shots that he makes? And then he went up and did like a tomahawk dunk, and it came out. And I'm just like, oh, dang it, man. That was funny. But anyway, so um, um, the other one that – well, after that, I mentioned that to my family, and I realized a few minutes later that they were like communicating with each other and not me. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they're up to something. And they explained that they had made their own bingo list of things that I say a lot that, that, that they are keeping track of. And when I, and so here, here are some of the things that my wife and my daughter had on their bingo card for what I would say. We have 10 starters, Dylan, Bruce, loud clapping. Don't chuck it and go on (laughs) Jalen. Those are apparently all things I say a lot. During a basketball game, and I'm not surprised. Outstanding. Yeah, so there you go. So, yeah, they were doing, like, hand signals to each other behind my back while the game was on. That was, that was interesting. All right, any, any other basketball thoughts before we move on to the football coaching? We got a little coaching stuff going on. This is interesting. I want to know if you, the listeners, say any of those things. Like <laughs> yeah, am I the only one? Surely I'm not the only one that, that gets very expressive during the basketball games because I've loved Auburn basketball since the – mid 80s and getting to enjoy them being successful i plan to enjoy it in every way possible for as long as i can and and as we've said before you know bruce isn't going to live to be 150 this is not going to go on forever and it is entirely because of him don't start thinking we can just you know bruce can retire we can plug in the next guy and just keep it rolling i don't know maybe we can i don't know but don't bet on that 
right? You just need to enjoy this as long. Take every season right now is a is a precious, precious thing to be savored. Is there some Nick Saban analogy in there? I don't know. Yeah, um, it's interesting, huh? We're going to come back to that. I want to have an off-season discussion on that topic. All right, that's that's fine. All right, well, in football news, we got Derek Nix, who honestly, with all the Derricks and all the Nixes we've had at Auburn, he seems like he fits right in. Right? I keep thinking, Derek Nix, is that Bo's brother or is that uh, – is that Derek Brown's cousin, or who exactly is Derek Nix? But he's a big-time uh, offensive coach. Former Southern Miss running back. I believe he played oh, against the Eagles there. You may that, remember him from that. that. That rings a bell, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a few yards there. And then he's been the running back coach, and, and then he was the wide receiver coach at Ole Miss. And they've had some pretty good wide receivers and running backs there the last – few years and then he was named to Auburn's running back coach and he is the co-offensive coordinator so you know a guy that has a lot of uh, good experience and has been in Ole Miss a while Uh, so that's big I mean he's an excellent recruiter but also somebody that's you know helped players be very productive so he's co-offensive coordinator with whom well, Kent Austin was named the quarterback coach. Yes, Kent Austin, who had a pre-existing condition with uh, <laughs> with freeze, right? Pre-existing. So, so he's you said that I did not say. So that. he's moving up from being like an analyst to being the uh, to being the uh, quarterback coach, which is what Montgomery his, was doing before. So that's how you yeah. switch that out. And I'm incorrect. He's the he he's not co-offensive coordinator. He's just offensive coordinator. Nobody else is listed as co-coordinator with him. Oh, Derek Nix? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. And so your guy, Ken Austin, as you said, is now the quarterback coach, yeah. but not co-offensive coordinator. And we know Freeze is going to have his hand in the play calling. Mm-hmm. But this was a big get to get Nix. Uh, and part of, I think part of Freeze's strategy here is that he had two coordinators last year with Montgomery um, and our defensive coordinator, who were not great recruiters, those two. Yeah. And that if he could switch those positions out and keep, you know, the same kind of good, experienced schematic talent, but also play people who are better recruiters, then he could elevate the overall recruiting talent on the staff, and then he could let go a little bit of the recruiting focus yeah. he's had. And kind the of the opposite. Still be up there. I think it's the opposite of what he did last year, right? And st- mm-hmm. Last year he said, I want a coach that can do the coaching while I do the recruiting. Now he's getting a coach that can do the recruiting while he does the coaching. So he just kind of yeah. – t- I mean, and, and that's just shades of gray. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that he didn't do some coaching, and I'm not saying that Nix isn't going to do some coordinating or whatever, but, I mean, they just and – they, and they diced it up. They put it in the in – the, Cuisinart and dice it up again. So rather than offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, you have an offensive coordinator and running back coach, and then you have a quarterback coach. So they they just slice the little pieces up and then shuffle them around on the board a little bit. But you That's end exactly. up with every, but you end up with all the pieces covered just in a different in a different pattern. Yeah. So, but I, but I also think like in the if you think about like if. If the coaches were like RPG characters or something and they had ratings or whatever, they had a, a right. recruiting like rating for I a like person. Okay. I think what we're going to end up with at the end of the day here mm. is the sum total of the recruiting ratings of all the coaches on the staff will be higher this yeah. year than it was last year. And that's saying something. Yeah. No, it is saying something because we signed a great class of stuff. But I think when you replace those two coordinators and you bring in guys like Nick's 
Mm-hmm. You know, you bring back McGriff, you bring in Charles Kelly. Charles Kelly is the, know, was the national recruiter of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, these guys are difference makers. So that part matters. So. Yeah. we Nick's and Kelly – uh, I think represent a dramatic increase in recruiting over Roberts and, and Montgomery. I mean, seriously upgrading recruiting there. Dramatic. Because I think Freeze understands, well, it didn't hurt to get rid of Montgomery that the offense was terrible, but when you throw in the fact that you can get rid of that offense and improve your recruiting in the meantime, what's the worst that happens, you know, is it that, um, Nick's is not really great at calling plays. Well, then freeze calls more plays, and then you're you're good. So you're good. So yeah, that's exactly right. Um, what do we know about the defensive coordinator situation? This is what's kind of puzzling people. So the one of the names that's been out there for a while is is Chris Kiffin, mm-hmm. uh, brother of Lane Kiffin. He's a defensive coach. Again, remember their dad was Monty Kiffin, who was oh, yeah. the, the coach and the defensive coordinator at Tampa Bay and stuff. And so. Chris Kiffin is on the Houston Texans staff. They lost in the NFL playoffs this weekend, so he's available, you know, starting tomorrow or whatever, uh, today. And so Auburn, I'm sure, is going to contact him and have discussions with him about the defensive coordinator position. Uh, And some of the thought is why we haven't named somebody is because we were waiting for him to be available. Okay. Uh, In the last few days, another name has surfaced, which is DJ Durkin who was the Texas A&M defensive coordinator. Uh, and then he was at Ole Miss for a couple years before that. And before that, he was the Maryland head coach, and he was fired there. And there's a whole story there. And if we, get, if we hire him or get closer to hiring him, I will talk about that. But, People were not very happy about his name going around. I don't really know anything about it. I would just point out, just as a, as a cautionary tale, that's what they said about Kevin Steele. Well, I, it's a different deal. Apples yeah. and oranges. Sure. This isn't a... You know, he's a terrible coach thing. He was the head coach at Maryland. He was supervising player workouts. He was on the field, and a player died. Mm. And that player's family sued the university, and uh, the university fired him and paid them a bunch of money. And it's, Mm. you know, so. uh, Well, I mean, that happened to Pat Dye. Happened to, yeah. But that was, (laughs) again, that wasn't in 2016 or exactly. so. Exactly. We know a little bit more about, you know, they used to do that. They used to not give players water and stupid crap like that. So Right, right. It's stupid. Um, all right, so we'll see what happens there. We got, obviously, some names floating around. We'll see what happens. Um, we've had some recruiting visits. Not Big necessarily recruiting just, visits. Not just Auburn people, but some people committed no, to other I, places. So. I, a five-star quarterback committed to Southern Cal, big-time mm-hmm. players committed to other programs, but also some uncommitted big-time guys, some guys that decommitted from Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, and some guys that were committed to other places. So that was, you know, uh, they've been very busy with bringing in the future recruits. I, uh, I just put it this way. If we don't get those people, at least they were interested and came and checked it out, which is way better than we've been doing, right? It's been a while right. since that was the case. you got to crawl before you can walk, and you'd rather these players come and, and spend time in Auburn and check it out and talk about it and tweet about it than, than just blow it off and not even be interested at all. That's, a, that's progress. But also, we had these two great home Saturday basketball games. They were there for recruiting weekend, oh, yeah. visit campus and everything, and they got to experience that electricity. Oh, yeah. That can't hurt. Yeah, I saw that the the USC five-star quarterback commit said that um, 
he wanted to get a sense of what the school was like, what the fans were like away from football. I think he probably did at the basketball. I think he got it. I think he got a good sense of it, yeah. Um, All right, let's see. The transfer portal, what's going on over there? I know we got an Alabama defensive back. So everybody else has been rating the Alabama roster. Yeah, why not? Uh, Charles Kelly knows a few of those players. So Auburn signed away a transfer from Alabama, Antonio Kite, a four-star cornerback, a almost five-star player uh, who's got like three years left to play. He's a big-time player that you know was a top hundred player in the country when he signed with Alabama, and that's a position Auburn's going to have a lot of competition at next year. He's the guy who could come in and compete right away. So, and only the second player ever to sign with Alabama and play there and then transfer to Auburn. And the other player was? I know who it The, the running back on the 2013 team. Whose name was? <laughs> I can't remember his name. We had, all right, we had Trey Mason. We had Cameron Artis Payne. And he was the one that was so fast, called him Taillights. Uh, he had a long touchdown run against Washington State in the first game of the 2013 season, and he would—he's the one that would run the—he—he—he the, he would run the, um, the 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 jet sweep when when um, when our receiver that caught the miracle in Jordan Hare did Ricardo run. Lewis. Yeah, when Ricardo Lewis. Well, remember we used to talk about this. This was a this was like <laughs> foundational material. This is like the the ex, genesis and this exodus is the of our deep show. Cuts for the wishbone. Right oh, here. The, deep for the wishbone. We used to say when he would run it, it was the jet sweep, and when Ricardo Lewis would run it, it was more of a power sweep. Remember? Because yeah. Ricardo wasn't as fast, but he was a bigger guy. Um, you haven't told the end of the episode. God, I can't think of his name. I can see him. But, yeah, he was a running back. He transferred from Alabama to Auburn. And we used him Listeners a lot of Listeners are yelling at their speaker. Oh, right I now. know they are. I know they are. I can't help it. Oh, I'll think of it. All right. We've got – I can't even cheat because I'm too busy right now. Um, make a note. we got to revisit this before the end because I want to I take one more shot at it. I'm taking a note. All right. So um, – Update on first time ever. We are now well into January, almost February, and it's getting closer. And John and I are currently negotiating with bookstores in Birmingham and Auburn. We we would just be back in AU Bookstore in Haley Center like always because they always welcome us and, and we love Samantha and that whole crowd and, and John Q. But um, they're renovating. They're going to be renovating the AU Bookstore in Haley Center um, or during March. And so they can't really have anybody in there doing it at that time. So we're we're scrambling for other venues, and we're looking at a different. We're looking at places in Birmingham and Auburn, and just kind of trying to firm everything up. We've had some proposals, and we've talked back and forth a little bit. I'm just I'm basically just looking for emails now saying you got it, let's do it, and then I'll I'll write it down. So that if that happens that's march 9th the day uh, before in birmingham and the day of in auburn the last basketball game of the regular season against georgia so hopefully people will come to that and they'll get them a copy of auburn basketball or first time ever the 1989 iron bowl we will see but march 9th we're looking to it uh let's thank the patrons we don't have ads on this here show we depend on you, the listener, to keep the show on the air. Um, we have um, a wonderful 
AU Wishbone family. And there's, they're currently not enjoying anything except this program, but we usually have various contests and participatory things going. Coming up soon will be both the the March the round you know the uh, the March Madness brackets. We'll do that mm-hmm. as we always do, and we've got Fantasy Formula One's rolling around again. It's coming up on time for that start again. It's it's I can't a believe it's time we get it's close a, to that start. It's like an eleven month uh, thing, and we're in the month that doesn't have it. But it's almost time to to go to the where do they have the first race? It's usually in the Middle East, isn't it? Yeah, Qatar or somewhere like that. Yeah, they'll they'll do, and then Australia, I think. So. Uh, looking forward to that. So you'll get to participate with the fantasy team there if you want to. We always have a good time. And compete um, against Ben and Boris and I. So. Oh yeah, there it is. That's it. Um, Boris is not down here tonight. He's up watching TV with the uh, with the ladies. He's up there, up warm. He is. He is warm. Yeah. My it was funny. My wife a while ago said I've had this song stuck in my head all day, and she said whatever song it was is some pop song. And I said, yeah, I've been kind of humming this Lord of the Rings, you know, Venus Tirith song all day. And and she kind of looks over at Boris sitting on the couch, and she's like, yeah, I know what song he has stuck in his head. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> song he always has stuck in his head. He's uh, he's nothing if not predictable and reliable, is that little that little tiger. I appreciate that. Man. Yeah. He's like if you melted Aubie down into like a little blob. That's what he is. He's like this little Condensed. Of, he is a condensed Aubie. Um, all right, so here are the fine folks that went to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button to become a patron and help us support the show and also get to be part of these various things that we do. They include Samuel Salvatore says a... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. With pearl white snow. Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crockham. <laughs> Logan Chilton. I said last week that Logan's going to have to change his name because he still had it saying Rule Britannia, which I we had a formal we had a formal ceremony last week to remove it from the week for last to remove it from the board. It's not an it's not an option anymore. It's gone. And so Logan Chilton, when I heard Rule Britannia was gone, I said Good. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. So you think it's this over now? It's not over this yet. This is the worst. No, it's not over yet. No. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, let's see. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, uh, David WDE Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. If <laughs> I love these. If Carol Shelby would have seen Kalen DeBoer any time since January 12th, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. That's so good. That is true. Hey, that was my birthday. Uh, Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, of course, also says... No! No! Never get enough of it. No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated and they're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! (laughs) This is the worst. Uh, no. Oh, no. That's um. That is uh. I lost. Where, I lost, where did it go? Oh, the soundboard's being weird. Anyway, what I was? Oh yeah. That is when they asked the question. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you, and they hear a lamentation of the women. And the guy going no. To hear the guy going no. This is what is best in life. Uh. Let's see. Richard Stevens. 
Starting July 12th, Win Carroll has a message for all the gamers on NCAA Football 24, and that is... I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn paterfamilias. <laughs> I guess that means he's played it a lot in the past. I don't know. That's pretty good. I'm glad I still had that one on the soundboard uh, for Win. That's a Tra- great sound clip. It is. It is. Uh, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger... I need to add Trombone Tiger's... Um, no, that's not the right one. Is this tr- Trombone Tiger's? Uh, I guess it was the first one. Anyway, uh, Willie Carden, Alex Brown, Auburn Football's Elvis. That's not the same as Auburn Elvis. Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D. Salmon's Esquire, Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for you know where. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny. I wonder if people that just started listening to the show fairly recently wonder what the whole Jones barbecue and foot massage thing is. I mean, you know, that's it really started with the uh, the barbecue show, didn't it? I think it was one of our barbecue show themes. It did, and you you used it as the intro for the barbecue show yeah. one time, and then everybody kind of hooked on to it and went that, from there. Just took off from there, yeah. Became a regular feature at that point. Uh, H-Town Danny, I love taking pictures of myself next to boiling water. My psychiatrist says I have a self-esteem issue. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. In-home Hugh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Ringer for president. Okay, easy. Uh, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Um, I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. No one fights like Gaston, Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rhodesian Mudflap. John, have you mixed me up a Rhodesian Mudflap? Just put it in the mail. Seal it up in a thermos and put it in the mail. I'm looking forward to drinking it. Sounds good. Well, I, wouldn't you think Kahlua would be? That's illegal to transport in cross state lines. <laughs> it's probably That's true. It's got to have Kahlua in it. There's no question. A Rhodesian mud flap has Kahlua in it. There's no question in my mind. Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Wade Ward, Walker White QB1. Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. Uh, I'm looking forward. WDE Richie loves our basketball team. Amen. Weagle Weagle. Wes Atkinson. William Morgan. Winston Body. Auburn Blue. Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s. Blake Heron. Boris the Tiger. What? Brandon Smith. Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Josh Teal, just wait till next year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson. That was our uh, bowl pick'em winner, I believe, this time. That's Let's correct. see. Bowl, bowl pick'em winners I can name. Mandy Thompson, Boris the Tiger. Hmm. I think that must be all. <laughs> I can't remember. Seems like there was another one. I'm sure he's throwing something at the speaker right now. So. <laughs> he's, throwing, throwing, he's throwing darts at a picture of me right now. And Jared, the yard sale artist, Albrecht. Yes, that's right. 
Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams says, oh, here we go. Whether you like it or not, yes. learn to love it. Yes. It's the best thing going today. Woo! Oh, I'm glad somebody put that in there. That gives us another chance to play it. I plan, I plan on playing that thing. Y'all are sick of it. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston. The only freeze I care about is the frozen ice inside Auburn basketball's veins. Oh, especially when they're shooting free throws this year. You got to love it. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. John, I tweeted out a picture of all of my hot sauces except the Cholula because it was in a different cabinet. And I mentioned Mad Reaper Pepper Company as like the hottest. We got the, we got the Chimney Rock sauce. Did you ever get the Chimney Rock sauce? I did. Okay. I did. It's hot. There's some hot it's sauce hot, in there. But it's not Mad Reaper hot. Oh, Mad Reaper is insane. It's like on a scale of zero to 100, the Chimney Rock stuff is like 98, no doubt. But the Mad Reaper's like 105. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a few more patrons left. Alex Wynn. Oh, he just wants me to say that. Alex Wynn, that's pretty good. That's like uh, uh, that's like how um, uh, Patrick used to have me do the and our, and our support. And, and our, our one-time and anonymous donors. Yeah. Uh, Alex Wynn, who's been with us from like the very beginning. We appreciate you, Alex. AU falling up. Barles Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Riggis, Chris Como, bunch of you guys have actually. I just remember him in particular of his name. Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Uh, we uh, we gotta get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, evil HR director of Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. We had an evil HR director where I work, but we got rid of him. It worked out real well. There's nothing like running off the the human resources director. That's a strange thing, but it's cool. It's tough to do. <laughs> it's telling tales out of school. Yeah, you had to get the board to do it, and we, we did. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, uh, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain says, of course, about the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. You know, we've got a new barbecue place up here that's the one that's really popular in Nashville, Edley's. But we've also got Sugar Fire. So I'm going to have a real dilemma. Oh, and I just ate at um, Beast Barbecue, which is another nationally known barbecue place that we have. we got some good ones around here in the St. Louis area. And I'm going to have a real tough choice to make when it comes time for the barbecue show because I kind of do Sugar Fire every year. It's so good. But I kind of want to try Edley's. But Beast, man, Beast was good. No pressure. You got to pick something that's going to give the right answers, man. I know it. I know it. I went to the Beast the other night by myself and sat at the bar, and I got um, a smoked turkey sandwich with jalapeno pepper, uh, like jelly stuff on it, and 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 stuff. Oh man, that was that was good. That was some good stuff. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. New York Tiger can't take his new thermos into MSG because the Rangers never get to drink from the Stanley Cup. There you go. Pie, yep. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spiggy. I'm at the bottom of this list because... Scott Wilson! Back for a while you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis. There's our Auburn Elvis, the, the, the other one. 
uh, been with us a long time. Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Who's your favorite Auburn Knicks, Pat, Bo, or Derek? Mm. Ooh. Well, we don't know enough about Derek yet as an Auburn person. I was going to say, person. I, and Pat, Pat had and more Bo wins. Pat, Pat had more big moments for us than Bo did. Let's be honest. And, and and interestingly, Pat had more in two years than Bo did in three. Because Pat only started two years, 94, 95, right? Yeah. Came in a year he didn't start, had a big play. He did, yes, in the Iron Bowl. And because we were on probation, he didn't. we didn't even have to play in the bowl game. So Pat came in and did that the end of the 93 Iron, Iron Bowl, and that was it. The season was over. But 94, 95, Pat was pretty good. I think he was... We were what, we were nine one and one in ninety four, and then probably what like I don't remember what we were in ninety five. That wasn't a great year, but it was all right. We beat all, we beat Alabama and Georgia that year, and yet we don't consider it a great year. Isn't that funny? Ninety five. That's the year we got bombed by Penn State in the bowl in the rain. Yep. Um, but uh, lost to Florida big, but did beat Georgia and Alabama. So what? Can, good, good. You know, I mean, well, I'll take it. But yeah, I was gonna say Bo Nix. He beat Alabama in 93 on one play in a Stan White game. He tied beat Georgia. And he did, Pat. He tied, oh, tied Georgia, lost to Alabama, and then beat Georgia and beat Alabama. So he was he's, he effectively 2-1 and one against Alabama, 1-1 uh, one one against Georgia. Or 1-0-1 oh against Georgia. I, I'm going to go with Bo. I mean with Pat. Uh, Brant Rumble. There you go. And plus our one-time anonymous donors, go to www.auwishbone.com. Um, let me shuffle things around here. Do, do. Ah, yes. Coming up, we have... Guess the game, along with listener questions and around the SEC. But first, it is time for our weekly look at the biggest knuckleheads, ne'er-do-wells, and otherwise idiots that are known as collectively the worst coaches in the world. And I only have one entry this week, and that would be, as I like to call him, John, Kalen Debacle who has, in the space of only a couple of weeks, squandered all of Alabama's great player resources and left them back where they were before Saban even took over in 2007. And I, my advice to him at the very beginning was he needed to pull a Bobby Crimmins. And I'm not sure a lot of people know they don't how remember you, that. what a Bobby Crimmins is. Would you, would you elucidate, since you were from Atlanta in that area, how, do you, how does one pull a Bobby Crimmins? I mean, he was the coach of Georgia Tech. He was very successful. He took them to a Final Four. Um, and they liked him. And then it was kind of solid after that. But then he left to change jobs, right? He was offered the head coaching job of his alma mater, South Carolina. And he goes, okay, let's do it. And then he changed his mind. Like two days after he, had he accepted the deal and drove to Columbia, he said, you know what? I don't think I should have done this. And he called up the AD at Georgia Tech and said, can I come back? And the AD said, have you signed anything? And he said, no. And he says, then come on back. 
<laughs> so then he called up the AD at South Carolina and says, I'm going back. And the South Carolina AD says, no, you're our coach. We've already hired you. He goes, I haven't signed anything. He's like, so this was my favorite thing that happened. South Carolina put out a press release and said, we are all very sad to learn that our coach, Coach Crimmins, has decided to leave South Carolina to go to Georgia Tech. Rather than saying he's decided not to come after all. And so he went back to Georgia Tech. Never was the same, though. It was never the same after that. No, it was never the same. It kind of ruined the relationship and, and went downhill from there. A little bit like it happened with Wesley McGriff. Yeah. Went to Texas A&M, but did not sign anything. Mm-hmm. Auburn called, the position opened up, and he came on back. Said, that guy that maybe you weren't getting along with, he's gone. Well, and I don't think McGriff had even put his house on the market yet. So Good. Made, well, made moving back pretty easy. Supposedly, McGriff had said he didn't want to leave Auburn. He wanted this to be his last job. But, you know, it, it was funny, though, because he was leaving Auburn. He was driving out of Auburn to go to College Station, and he, and he went through a McDonald's drive through to get you know get a burger and fries and stuff on the ro- for the road, and uh, Ron Roberts was working at the drive through That's how he knew he could go back. <laughs> That's how he knew he could go back. That's it. That happened. True story. True story. <laughs> so he was like the drive through coordinator for Florida yeah. Athletics, or is that what <laughs> Giving up a few too many uh, Big Macs. But th- but meanwhile, Kalen Debacle is this week's worst coach in the world. All right, and next up, it is time. Uh oh. Let me let me let me hit this for Jared. Hey there, AU Wishbone listeners. I wanted to offer you guys something of a special deal. This is for the folks who have ordered Van and John's books. We believed and first time ever. As most of you know, I did the illustrations in both of those books, and I still have the originals, the original pieces that I drew before they got scanned in and turned into those books that I am going to make available at a special price just for you AU Wishbone listeners if you're interested. If you want the original drawing that I did for first time ever, I am making it available here to the AU Wishbone listening audience for just $40. That's right, $40. I will send you the original drawing. It's on 9 by 12 Bristol paper and I will send it directly to your house for the low price of $40. I also still have on 9x12 Bristol paper all 10 of the drawings that I did for We Believed. I'm offering those also at $40 a piece. I'd much rather move them as a set since they do all go together for that book. If you're interested in the set, since there is 10 of them, I will drop that down to $300 for the set, so essentially you're getting all 10 for $30 a drawing. These are the originals. They're not copies. They're not prints. This is the original My Ink on the Bristol board. If that's something you're interested in, you can hit me up as usual at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, or Instagram, or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J A R R O D, at theyardsaleartist.com. And I certainly thank you for your support of John and Van's books. And if you're interested in picking that art up on the cheap, just let me know. War Eagle, everybody. 
Bill Van John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 111. Guess the Game 111 is sent in by Joel Beckham. And Joel went so far as to take care of bleeping, mm. but he didn't exactly use bleeps. I think you'll enjoy this one. Let's listen to what he sent in. Cool. Frosty. Ocean. Frosty. Rolling right. <laughs> Sets up, throws down, Frosty says, got it, touchdown Auburn, inside the five, into the end zone, a bomb, Frosty, for 57 <laughs> yards, he Frosty, and Auburn an extra point away from tying it up with a minute 24 to go. Okay guys, I will see you in the hint file. I, okay, first, I love that, that was very entertaining, I would not want every one of, I would not want every one of them to be like that, but, but as a one-off, Excellent. Very well now, done. So the announcers were. That sounded like Rod to me. So that means the years are. Um, 2002 through like 2019, I think. Okay. And it was a long pass, which we were an extra point away from tying a game up with two minutes left. So we end up going on and winning it because they always use games that we win. Right. So that's interesting. That didn't ring a bell to me, though. Mm-mm. I mean, it sounded a little more recent to me. Did it to you? Yes. But I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a game where we had to go down and tie it up and it was like a minute to go, and then we somehow won it maybe in overtime or on the final kick or something. But I can't. It's just not. That's really not ringing any bells for me at all. This is a stump. It's a stumper. It's a stumper. We got to go to the hint file? Yeah, go to the hint file. Going to have to go to the hint file. Got to do it. Here we are in the hip file. Let's get rid of those Frosties and listen to what Jolson in. Lewis in motion. Here's Marshall. Rolling right. Sets up. Throws downfield. Sammy Coates has got it. Touchdown, Auburn. Inside the five. Into the end zone. A bomb to Sammy Coates for 57 yards. He beat Cody Pruitt and Auburn an extra point away from tying it up with a minute 24 to go. Okay, I'll see you in the answer file. Who right. the heck is Cody Pruitt play for? Well, we know what years it had to be, 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, was Uzoma still on the team in 14? Didn't he mention C.J. Uzoma there? No, I thought he said Lewis in motion, and they threw it to Coates. Okay, right, okay. So, yeah, so Sammy Coates and Ricardo Lewis. I can't. I know that Ricardo Lewis is on 13. I can't remember if he was on 14. I can't remember if he's on 14 either. Maybe he wasn't. So I feel like Sammy Coates was on 14 because he remembered that was the game where he had all those catches against Alabama in Tuscaloosa from Nick. Mm-hmm. Tying it up, and then we won within the next couple of minutes maybe. Marshall throwing a long pass. I mean, is this the end? What close game did we have in 13 or 14 where we scored and came back? I felt like in 13 we just ran over everybody. It wasn't the SEC championship game that year against Missouri because it was it was always a Mm-mm. we were we were head pretty good late after a back and forth. Well, did he say end of the game or could have been end of the half? Ah, I, um, we're gosh, we're, this is the rare mm-hmm. guess the game where Van and I are stumped. Um, we, we we got the year, but we don't have the f- opponent or anything. Okay, so games in thirteen that were close that we won. Georgia and Alabama, right? Yeah. I mean, what was the opener in 13? Washington State or? Oh, uh, well, the Alabama game that tied it, the score that tied it up was the 
was uh, there was a pass, but it was it was Nick Marshall. It that was the one where he kept faking the he kept doing the handoff, and then he did the did the little read option. But that wasn't that, was it? Could that Pruitt I, guy be an Alabama guy? Could that be the the kick six game? It could be. Let's let's do the hint this one is, more time. This is, Here we are in the hint file. Let's get RPO rid of those frosties and listen to what Jolson in. Lewis in motion. Here's Marshall rolling right. Sets up, throws downfield. Sammy Coates has got it. Touchdown, Auburn! Inside the five, into the end zone. A bomb to Sammy Coates for 57 yards. He beat Cody Pruitt and Auburn an extra point away from tying it up with a minute 24 to go. Okay, I'll see you in the answer file. Minute 24 to go. But but yeah, it wasn't a bomb, and it wasn't. It was rolled to the left. It didn't go to the right. I know that the whole play action thing in there. So I yeah. I don't think it's I, that, it could be that, but I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I can't remember. I I don't I don't feel like we. I mean, did we score and then Menzel came down and we sacked him? Yeah, but this was to tie it up. Yeah. We didn't come back and score again. Yeah, there's there's A and M, Georgia, Alabama. Tennessee, we blew doors on. It wasn't close. Um, LSU, we've lost. Yeah, LSU, we lost. Uh, Missouri, we it was blew doors uh, by the end. Um, not Clemson maybe, that maybe year. Maybe it is 14. Maybe. I give up. I don't know then. All right. Like, uh, we're, it, we're throwing in the towel. It wasn't the first down pass from Knicks to Williams. That was in the Kansas State game. So, yeah, I'm throwing in the towel. Here we go. All right, John, Van, if you guys have figured out that this is Auburn playing Old Miss in 2014, ah. then you are correct. Mm. I want to thank Joel for sending that in. If you'd like to send in a suggestion for Guess the Game, we I never get the old Miss. artist on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, we We never get the old Miss ones because those are not the, usually the memorable games, you know? It's we true. just we don't think about those. That should be our default. If we don't know what it is, we'll just start saying it's Ole Miss. Because if we had done that tonight, we'd have had a 50-50 chance of getting it. Right? It was either been Ole Miss Fair. 13 or Ole Miss 14. So and good 14 job. 14 was a better game. Yeah. Good job by Joel. Appreciate it, Jared. Always doing a great job with these. I'm gonna go ahead and delete these files and burn them. <laughs> oh, that was good. I like when we get challenged there. All right, and on that note, we make the most awkward transition in podcast. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. God bless it. Uh, what do we got? I got a few tonight. The first one's from a new listener, Wade, who says, uh, I'm almost finished with the first time book and I'm enjoying it immensely. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I regret not getting a copy for my dad as a Christmas present. Hmm. Uh, so I can't wait for it to come out, come out on Amazon. I'll send it to him for Father's Day. Just putting that out there as a hint for other listeners. Mm. He goes on to say, keep up the good work and let Jared know for me that I'm with Boris the Tiger. <laughs> Guess the game is by far my favorite favorite segment of the show wow Wade. oh a, a ringing endorsement for guess the game very good very nice there you go all right next question is from samuel salvatore who says hello guys of war eagle hey sam greetings from the atlantic ocean gonna be in a cruise while this episode is going on i hate to miss the iron bowl of basketball mm. question is how massive is the sky falling right now according to alabama fans <laughs> did they think they were going to enjoy the same success rate 
But once Saban retired, also shout out to the SEC shorts for the tribute they did for Nick Saban. That was good. Did you see the SEC shorts for the end, kind of their season wrap up? Yeah, that's pretty good. They had a little Saban thing at the end that was nice. It was one of those things where even if you don't, you know, you can't stand Alabama like us, it's still you're like, yeah, sure. that's cool. That was that's pretty good. And those guys are good. I, I do think Alabama fans were delusional. I think they thought nothing would change. They would keep everybody in their roster and get and get better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And instead, instead, Alabama fans are going to be looking around at other teams. And and you know, Alabama fans are going to be looking for their players, and they're going to look at other teams and say, "There they are." <laughs> when they look That's at other the teams, yeah, I I do think they were de- um, delusional about the change and about mm-hmm. why players, so many great players, came to Alabama. Oh yeah. Oh, it had to be about them. It couldn't just just be Saban. It had to be about them. Yes. And this is, this is partially why I keep saying about Auburn basketball, enjoy this, because when Bruce leaves, it's not going to be the same. I mean, it would be great if it could. It would be wonderful if it could, but I have my doubts. No, you're correct. We, we plucked a gem of a coach, and we are very fortunate. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, in a related note, this is from Chris Thrash, and the title of the email is The Happy Place is Back. He says, Dear John of Van, <laughs> yes. the commentators love to remind us how terrible Auburn was before Bruce was there. How long do you think that lasts until Bruce retires? All right, run that. Let, let's walk through that again, make sure I understand. How long it. do the good times last until Bruce retires? And then do we go back to the level hmm. we were before Bruce? I don't think we're going to go back to the level we were before because I think that they've made, they've turned the, I think the administration, the board, and everybody, they used to think we had to just scrape by. In fact, I think the first turn, and we, we found this out in our research for the basketball book in 2022, that the first turn that the that the higher-ups made was firing Cliff Ellis. Because you remember, yes. Cliff Ellis was, if you want to just keep, you know, go to the NCAA tournament once every three years, win a game, maybe win two games in a big year, and then not go at all, and then get in the NIT, and then not go at all, and then go and win a game. If you want to do that, you keep Cliff Ellis for 10 more years. That's fine. He was a very good coach. We have nothing bad to say about Cliff Ellis. But they got rid of Cliff Ellis because Auburn made the decision that we wanted to be better at basketball. We wanted to take a step up. Now, of course, the first two steps they made, we fell on our face and busted our jaw, right? But then... But they were taking big swings. They were taking big swings. They built the arena, and they went out and got two coaches that at least on paper seemed like they would be big upgrades. They didn't end up being it, but they tried. It took the third swing to get it. To you, you combine the commitment to the arena with the commitment to a great coach, and that's where we are now. So I think they've turned those corners, and I don't think we're going to go back to to Barbie level performance no, at being think, acceptable. I, well, one thing is, I think the level of commitment and resources in the program with the arena and the fan support of stuff now is so high that I think Auburn could attract a great coach where before it was just kind of a miracle that Pearl was available. We were able to get it. It was absolutely a miracle. It was just the perfect timing. And I give Jay, I think it's the best thing Jay Jacobs did. 
Um, because not the a, big jumbotron, <laughs> not the big jumbotron. Second, <laughs> no, and again, in our book, and I'm not trying to just hawk the book, but I'm just referencing the fact that we have kind of we don't we're not just pulling this out of our rear end. In the book, we talk about what Jay Jacobs did, how he decided he wanted Bruce Pearl, and he was going to do whatever he had to do to get him. And he, honestly, us getting Bruce Pearl was very similar to how Alabama got Nick Saban. Just had an had an athletic director that made up his mind. This is the guy I want, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And we're going to find out how we get there. It's Did very not similar. Give up. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Convinced but also very you, similar in that they were fortunately available, available. in the moment through a variety of circumstances. Hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Hey, how many times have I said on this show that in any other circumstance, Bruce Pearl would be at UCLA or North Carolina or one of those, you know, Temple. Uh, you know, Louisville, somewhere like that, right? In fact, Louisville's been trying to get him for the last 10 years. They ain't, they ain't going to get him. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I, I like that. I think that's about right. All right. I think we have one more here from Bill Miner who says, Guys, as you know, Alan Flanagan came back to Auburn as part of Ole Miss team last week. I was saddened to hear many boos when he touched the ball at times in the game. He yeah. had graduated and moved on to another opportunity just like Bo Nix did. So I want to ask you guys what your thoughts are pulling for former Auburn players who transfer and continue elsewhere. I claim both of them as Auburn men regardless of the last team they played for, and I won't fault somebody for deciding another path is better for them, Bill. No, I 100% agree because both Bo Nix and Flan have Auburn degrees. It's not like they said, screw you, Auburn, I'm going to go play for your enemy and come back and hurt you. No, they did they did what they had to do for Auburn. They wrapped it up. And this is like going to graduate school. You don't always go to graduate school at the same place you went to undergrad. They went off to graduate school. That's and again, it, in both circumstances, they needed to go yeah. to better themselves and, and Abs- for family circumstances and Absolutely. get away from Auburn. And that's okay. Yeah. And I, I think that one of the difference in how they're perceived is just that Bo Nix didn't play against Auburn. If Oregon had played against Auburn and beat us while he was a quarterback, oh, yeah. people – People would, would be have been. much less receptive, but because we didn't play Oregon, everybody and how it ended, he had a great season. Everybody's happy. He gets cheered at the basketball game, that's and fair. and Flanagan's coming in as the opponent, so he gets booed at the basketball game. So. Yeah, that's fair. I think Bo would have gotten booed by some people. Well, look, I was just going to say this a while ago, and I forgot. There's just a contingent of fans of every school that just see everything on a purely emotional level. They're not thinking with their brains about that. They're thinking with their hearts, with their feelings, right? They're letting their feelings get in the way. They had their feelings hurt that they feel like they got spurned or dumped by a girl, you know? And so they're upset and they're going to boo. But if you think, if you think with your brains and understand what's going on, you understand that these are student athletes that did their part for our school and now they've gone off to another one to continue their education and to continue their professional development. And there's not a thing in the world wrong with that at all. And my wife was pretty upset too. She was grouching that they were booing and I'm like, yeah, it's basketball fans. She she doesn't like basketball fans. She doesn't even like when they do the air ball, air ball thing. No. She's like Listen, she's like you shoot it you yeah. shoot an air ball, you get what's coming. Oh, I know, but that, the she just thinks that Listen, basketball fans are mean and I'm like, yeah, they're mean. Oh, That's what they do. That's the, their thing. The one thing the students do that is both really mean and incredibly funny is when another player fouls out. Oh, yeah. They do the sit down. Step, 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 sit down. And then when he does finally sit down, they go, you suck. Yeah. And, that's, that's, and they that's all nice. do it in sync, and it's incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's mean. But 
Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's basketball has always been that way. I mean, the pioneers of basketball cheering were like the Duke fan base that are just smart alecky, too smart for their own good dudes and and girls, and 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 they kind of pioneered the idea of being really rude and really smart alecky, and that's just kind of where it's gone. Football is not really I, like that. It, this is a true story from from Duke back in the day, and I want the Auburn. Stu- I want the jungle to recreate this at some point in the future. The Duke fans, the, the students in Cameron got fussed at for being too mean to opponents. Hmm. And so they decided for the next game they were going to change their behavior. And the next game was their, was North Carolina, their big rival. <laughs> so the, all the Duke students dressed up as historical good guys, <laughs> uh, including like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and, <laughs> and some other people. And before the game, they gave the visiting coach a bouquet of flowers. And then they... <laughs> That when the other team's opponent, uh, the lineup got introduced, you know, they politely clapped. And then when the refs made a bad call, they said, we beg to differ. (laughs) So good. That's good. Yeah, we'll see if they can. That's pretty sophisticated. Again, Duke, you know. Listen, the Auburn fans, the students are really in sync, and it's very coordinated Mm -hmm. and choreographed, and it's impressive. Yeah. That's all the questions for tonight. That's it. All right, we're going to get in the Albumobile, John. Let's fire it up. Let's take a trip around the SEC. <laughs> it's Mira about 11 years ago. So let's see. Um, TJ Lindsay, what's up with him? Former Auburn quarterback TJ Lindsay transferring to Western Kentucky. And they play Alabama next year. Uh-oh. So we will get to watch T.J. Lindsey play at Alabama next year as Western Kentucky's quarterback. Nice. Very good. Um, let's see. What do you got about the, uh, the roster at Alabama? So their roster continues to melt down. A bunch of players leaving. You're well aware of this. 14 players have left already in the transfer portal. And this is on top of the guys who are you know, already graduating and going pro. They have very few starters left. The big ones, obviously, in the last week, Caleb Downs, their best player in defense, safety, went to Ohio State. Caden Proctor, their starting left tackle, probably the best returning player on their offensive roster, went to Iowa. Their five-star top yes. quarterback recruit, Julian Sand, to Ohio State. And this is a guy mm. they a lot of them wanted to start this year, you know, instead of uh, Milrow. So, um, giant seismic level changes in that roster and they got in a you know, they got in like a, a Washington offensive lineman today following their coach but that team has been absolutely gutted with players going to other programs players have gone to Georgia just got to hate Ole it Miss. For I feel oh, so bad <laughs> John is playing the world's smallest <laughs> violin for Alabama right now sit <sighs> all right what else is going on um, you just want to talk about that. You had your point about the business decision. Oh yeah, I did. I put this in and forgot about it. That um, I just love that all those years that we had players that wanted to play for Auburn, that said they wanted to play for Auburn, that that even committed to Auburn and even tried to sign with Auburn, and at the last minute, at the last second, Saban and his goons would swoop in. And, and pull them away, and they'd always say, I'm flipping my commitment to Alabama. I will not be uh, answering any questions. I will not be uh, you know, going on any more, talking to anybody else, and it's a business decision. How many times right, did we get told that the player we lost that decided to go to Alabama instead did a business decision? 
And it really does show that that was true, right? Because now that he's not there for that business decision, they didn't want to go there. It was a professional choice. Without Saban, there's no more business decision. I love it. True. Suck it, Bama. You've had this coming for so long. And payback, you know what that is. It's kind of, And it's tearing them apart, and their fans are depressed right now. Oh, good. They're Didn't sad. happen to a nicer bunch of fans. Um, the other note for around the SEC is that Vanderbilt has hired former New Mexico State head coach Jerry Kill, and they got their transfer quarterback, Diego Pavia. They are haunting us because we play Vanderbilt next year. We will see those two again. What, so I missed this. Did Vandy fire their coach, their football coach? No, this guy, he, this guy retired from New Mexico State. He's an analyst at Vandy. Oh, Jerry Kill. Well, no, I know all about right, – hold on. I know all about Jerry Kill because when I moved up here, he was, he was my wife's alma mater's head coach. Mm-hmm. And he had to leave. He had to kind of like retire because he kept having heart trouble and would collapse in the middle of the game. But then he recovered and he went to Minnesota – and then he ended up at New Mexico State. So he's been all over the place, just with bad health. So he's going to be an analyst at Vanderbilt? Yes. I didn't even know he'd left New Mexico State. I, I think, again, I think he, the stress and stuff was getting to him at New Mexico State, and he's older, so he stepped he's, down. Well, again, year. bad health his entire career. But, and so that Pavia guy that terrorized us is going to be at Vanderbilt. Do we play Vanderbilt next season? Oh, yes, we do. Oh, dear Lord, no. All right. Well, we, at least we got some scouting film on him. <laughs> we kind of know what to expect, right? Yeah. Oh, good grief. Get on him when he gets off the bus. He, I mean, he was, he looked like Joe Montana against us. He was just killing us. So, yeah. All right. All right. And we're back to the trivia question. Only these, there are two Auburn, two players have transferred from Alabama in modern times. One is Antonio Kite, and the other is. Um. <sighs> I'm going to cheat. Corey Grant. Corey Grant. <laughs> I had to cheat. I couldn't think of his name. Corey Grant. Taillights. He was fast. He was fast. That's a good one. Yeah, I didn't know he was the only one. I do remember it seemed odd when he transferred from Alabama to Auburn, but I didn't know he was the only one until now, so that's pretty cool. All right. (laughs) Why do we have a note at the very bottom of the show, Soviet National Anthem? You hinted at it earlier, Van. We got to go out. We're playing Alabama on Wednesday. Let's go out with it. Oh, my gosh. That's right. And I'm out of drink now. I can't only lubricate. Let me see. I got anything loud. Mm. All right. Well, you know what they say. You say they're the number one. Scoring team in the country? That's right. Russia, number one. Iran, number one. Bama, number one. Cameraman, zoom in. Our time is up, John. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man?
This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.